0: Can you please introduce yourself?
1: My name's Dr Meredith Bergman and I used to be a academic and Labor member of Parliament.
0: There's an old saying on the left about the Communist Party that if you go to Melbourne you'll find Maoists, if you go to Sydney you'll find Stalinists and if to, you go to Brisbane you'll find anarchists. Is there any truth in that old saying?
1: Well, no, I wouldn't agree with that at all. I actually think that certainly if you go to Melbourne, you'd find Maoists. But I think there was a very anarchistic strain in the Sydney communists. And the whole Sydney political philosophy was very influenced by the bohemianism and the push and uh, libertarianism. And they've had a long anarchist tradition. So, yes, there were also Stalinists, but there were Stalinists in, in all state capitals.
0: Yeah, that connects with me because there was in Brisbane in the 60s a, a bohemian element to the Communist Party, and I think that's partly why they were uncomfortable about the events, for example, in Czechoslovakia when the, the Soviet Union rolled the, the tanks into Prague.
1: Well, don't forget the um, Australian Communist Party was the first Communist Party in the world to come out in opposition to the Russian invasion of Czechoslovakia. And its leadership at the time was a Sydney-based leadership of Laurie Aarons and uh, Eric Ahrens.
0: You've co-authored a book about the New Left with Nadia Wheatley. What is the main proposition behind the book?
1: Well, it's not really about the New Left. It's called Radicals Remembering the 60s. And what we're looking at is what happened to people who came from fairly normal or conservative families and found themselves radicalised by what happened, mainly in the late 60s, but we go through to the early 70s. We've sort of defined the 60s as being from 1965 to 1975, and we've looked mostly at Vietnam, but we've also looked... It spread wider than that. We've also looked at sort of cultural changes that were occurring. We began by thinking it would be a purely political book, but then we kept thinking, no, because other stuff that was happening in the 60s was so interesting too. So we've ended up interviewing an actor, a folk singer, lightened, a uh, mist machine showmaker, uh, a visual artist. So we've looked at very much the 60s as a as the counterculture as well as the political culture.
0: We're talking about a a young, vigorous group of people who are experiencing this.
1: Yes. On the whole, the people that we have interviewed were young at the time of the change that came to their lives. And some of them, of course, had been um, drafted uh, and some of them were facing the draft. Some of them were very opposed to the Vietnam War. Others got involved in Aboriginal land rights. And we've interviewed um, three Aboriginal activists themselves. And, of course, what was going on in their lives were very different. In fact, when we interviewed Gary Williams, who was a terrific uh, activist and helped set up, you know, the Redfern Aboriginal Legal Centre and, and things like that, he taught, when we asked him about Vietnam... His reaction was that he didn't get involved in those demonstrations because he saw that as a white fellow's war and yet he was just as quintessentially part of 60s radicalism as were the students who were going out on the street every
0: week. His comments sound a bit like Muhammad Ali who said that uh, no Vietnamese person had already thrown racist comments at him. Yes. And yes. Uh, so maybe the the Aboriginal movement here was strongly influenced by the civil rights struggle in the united states they were
1: very influenced by the civil rights struggle but gary's position on the war was slightly different to muhammad ali's muhammad ali's was saying well why wouldn't i support the vietnamese because they'd they'd never been racist to him as had white americans and then of course he gets very involved in the anti-apartheid campaign and the demonstrations against the Springboks, which happened in 1971 and, because and, that's so much clearer to him. It is about race and, and it is about uh, fighting apartheid and global
0: racism. You yourself were involved in the anti-apartheid protests in 1971. Yes. Can you say how this movement was successful?
1: Oh, it was well, it was very successful, uh, ultimately. We, we set up a uh, Stop the Tours campaign in 1969 and we were really aimed at stopping the... Uh, uh, rugby union tour in 1971 and the cricket tour that was to follow six months later at the end of 1971. So um, we started demonstrations against South African teams that were coming to Australia. Um, and don't forget, they, these are all white, racially selected teams. Um, blacks were simply not allowed to even try out for them. Um, And so we demonstrated against the basketballers and tennis players and um, surf lifesavers. And then the big one, of course, was the rugby union team, the Springboks. And there were huge demonstrations in Brisbane too, as you know. In fact, Peter Beattie got badly beaten up at that demonstration and he has always talked about it as being a a very radicalising influence on him. Why I say we were terribly successful was we, we didn't actually stop any... Football games. There were huge demonstrations all the way around Australia, mainly in Sydney, of course, because that's the heart of, of rugby union in Australia. There were five matches in, in Sydney and some in rural New South Wales. So there were huge numbers out of the demonstrations. Uh, and I and my little sister and two others managed to run onto the ground. Very few people got onto the ground, or, and we actually stopped the game. And there are still old guys in South Africa today that when you're travelling around South Africa, they'll say, oh, oh, I remember that, I remember. Because they used to listen to it on their transistor radios in the dead of night. Um, And, of course, they all supported Australia because they so hated the Springboks. Yes, the great success of the anti-Springbok campaign was that we were really aiming to stop the cricket tour that was coming six months later. And the head of the cricket board in Australia was um, Sir Donald Bradman and so we were aiming a lot of the protest, not so much at him but we wanted him to take notice of it and he started writing to me and I started writing back to him and I've still got those letters where we discuss the whole thing about racism in sport. They're, They're quite interesting letters. They've been shown in various exhibitions. But when Sir Donald came to announce in about September of 1971 that they were not going to have the South African cricket team come to Australia at the end of the year, we always expected him to say, look, we can't guarantee their safety. But he actually said Australia will not play them until um, apartheid is no longer their system of government and that they have a non-racial system of government. Which was fabulous. It was exactly what we wanted him to say. And um, I've always been a bit of a Don Bradman fan since then because they really took a stand. So, yes, we did see the anti Springbok activity as being very successful. And, of course, in 1976... when, When Gough Whitlam gets in in 1972, he makes it that Australian teams can't go to South Africa and South African teams can't come to Australia. But by 1976 all the Commonwealth countries had stopped having um, sporting relations with South Africa.